This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. We are back with another episode of Hafta and uh, before I introduce the panel, just wanted to remind you to tell your friends, relatives that you started this gift subscription system. There are many students who can't afford subscriptions of news and I can understand that when you're, you know, just about making ends meet as a student or even others who are unemployed. So those of you who are adequately compensated in your jobs or because of inherited wealth, uh, do consider gifting a subscription to others. So you can mail us at contact at newslaundry.com in the subject line, write gift subscription. I repeat, contact at newslaundry.com and we have this gift subscription running. So far, we are averaging about 20 to 25,000 rupees that many of you are actually contributing for gift subscriptions, which we can, you know, give to students. And if you're a student listening to this, and if you listen to the free Chota Hafta version, don't worry about being a Mufat Khor. Being a student is all about being a Mufat Khor, and that is what students must do. But you can write in, or you can just fill in the form. If you go to our social media, there's a link where they say the gift subscription. Fill in your details, your name, whichever college, school, institute you're in, and uh, you shall be entitled to a gift subscription from those who are contributing. On that note, Manisha, let's have the headlines first and then we shall get to the panel. China has called for India's withdrawal from Galwan Valley. Early this week, China and India agreed to stepwise de-escalation in eastern Ladakh, including the Pangong Lake. And a day after this news, today morning, in fact, there are reports in newspapers that China has opened a new front at Depsang and they are building structures at the Galwan clash site. Um, satellite images have shown that Chinese have built a defensive position at the Galwan Valley. Uh, where this June 15 clashes had occurred and they've moved in uh, in other areas with heavy vehicles, specialist military equipment and troops. In fact, we'll be discussing a lot of this in detail with our guest, who you should be very thrilled to know ha- knows a lot about this. So yeah, that would be a... In another alarming news, China has stamped total control over a village in Nepal and the government is completely silent there. So really, I mean, there's a big South Asian design. This has seems. been reported in the Tribune or in other news organizations? In the Tribune and Economic Times and some others. Okay. Uh, Maharashtra pauses three Chinese projects day after the Ladakh clash. Yeah, the whole... This is the whole boycott China, China is, thing yeah. is uh, taking up. Um, meanwhile, in COVID news, every house in Delhi will be screened by July 6th in new COVID response plan. Supreme Court early this week allowed the Puri Yatra with uh, no public attendance, but there were images of quite yeah, a lot of dude. public attendance with no mask, no social distancing. So I that mean, went it's for also a possible toss. that all those people were employees of the Jagannath Temple. I mean, and it wasn't technically speaking crowd, but yeah. they were all employees, but they were enough to cause a mini, you know, hotspot. And, and one shocked. of the priests was tested positive. So I read that. Yeah. So oh. There's a, a Dokovic of, of India. You know what happened there, right? He yeah. held that tournament and now he has issued this apology. <laughs> and some Croatian basketball star is also tested positive. Now he can't go back to US. Basically, the Dokovic has just... Anyway, huh, then? India and Pakistan to expel embassy staff for spying. Mm. Indian pilgrims will not travel to Saudi Arabia for Hajj in 2020, says uh, Nakwi, but... Hajj was anyway not happening. Uh, usual bigotry, <laughs> you know, playing for the domestic audience because Saudi had already said they won't allow anybody from outside this year. Yeah, In so fact, there was a report stupid. this morning on the BBC, not this morning, yesterday morning, that Saudis, even within Saudi Arabia, only very select people are allowing to Yeah, do very Hajj. restricted, so, yeah. No foreigners are allowed, but... I guess the BJP had to say we are not allowing them to go. Yeah. So, hmm. In other news, Ramdev has discovered 100% cure of coronavirus with sure. Coronil. This was really fascinating news. He went to town saying that he's discovered yeah, cure. Relieved. He did a press conference. Uh, all the news channels lapped it up. It was literal virtual advertising on TV news channels for two, uh, you know, two straight hours. Turns out the Ayush ministry said that you never came to us. So please stop advertising. 
and also the uttarakhand ayurvedic board has said that he only asked us permission for selling this as an immunity booster and not as a coronavirus cure so clearly he's really like uh, done a lot of and of course read our really detailed report by basant kumar on More our website one, right yeah one is a media critique by megna but basant's report really goes into how, what a sham these clinical trials <laughs> were that he conducted because apparently ramdev was giving these medicines to people who were suspected of coronavirus so they were just suspected so there was not positive no. test and he cured some asymptomatic people so, so asymptomatic people anyway get cured on the road what happened is they said uh, in meerut two private hospitals 70 doctors and medic other medical staff were cured of coronavirus so basant when we spoke to the cmo of meerut he said that was not the case these people were never tested they were never found positive so because they had come in contact with a covid patients But they were no put in quarantine and no no ministry has said we'll take action against again ramdev are you kidding okay fine so much <laughs> for that then okay then jamia student safura zargar got bail in the delhi riots yeah. case on the understanding that she will not interfere in the in the investigation and will not try to influence she it because got it on hum- humanitarian grounds yeah. but on this understanding because she can use her tremendous influence oh, to influence yes <laughs> so yeah and uh, well at 1 o'clock we are recording this just before 1 whether the icsc and cbsc will be held the decision is going to come this afternoon so in case it comes while we are recording this we shall update you but this is a really interesting time for many students in fact i was talking to one of my interns uh, on the phone yesterday was just giving her some work so i said have you graduated are you still studying because now all our interns are working from home she says we are the corona batch <laughs> i said what does that mean she said we're not sure right now what our status <laughs> i said okay and then um, kanpur a shelter home becomes a hot spot 57 girls test positive in fact this was more than just corona right manisha this had some other angle also of exploitation mm. of the yeah, young girls yeah, yeah. Trump has blocked the H1B and other visas and in a first diesel is costlier than petrol in Delhi after 18 hikes in a row. My god, 18 days constantly so much. All all those people are pulling out those tweets of Subramanian Swami when Modi Akshay Kumar comes. also making Akshay all these Kumar, jokes. Chetan Bhagat which is deleting now. <laughs> no the funniest and most hypocritical thing about this is when they so when the Modi government came they said will leave petrol and uh, diesel prices as they are like market prices we won't control them like they used mm. to before so we'll let them be but they are only interested in letting them be when they're rising yeah. when they're going down, down then, then they, they stop it exactly and now they're increasing it but before i introduce the panel i want to start off with an email and just want to get a few quick comments and then we shall introduce our guest This is from Yogeshwar. He says, "Hi again. Hope you guys are safe from COVID. Been a subscriber for a long time. Therefore, I write to you in good faith. In the absence of the News Laundry app, I don't consume news articles from News Laundry. So please forgive my ignorance of reporting done. I consume podcasts avidly and religiously. I'm taking the liberty of comparing you guys with Indian Express podcasts. I understand they are much bigger, but when they report about India-China conflict, they had as much information as you had. But I'm sorry to say that NL discussions sounded like half baked with personal bias while commenting on the issue Indian Express had done a much better job. This brings me to a question: Are you a news organization that gives news and facts? Are you a news watchdog that will mostly discuss mainstream media or you know make fun of that because you have good shows because you have shows like Newsons to make mockery of Varna Benilk? I avoid that. But when the same thing happens in Hafta and other podcasts, I get the urge to mail you since you say when the subscriber pays, the subscriber is served. I'm sorry to say, but I'm not getting what I thought NL will give. It's become a full-blown media critique in its shows. Hafta used to be a discussion on current topics with everyone's unique perspective. I'm missing that, especially Madhu. I'd recommend you watch three things from Indian Express and how they go in depth about certain topics. Apart from what they say, I just like the fact that they aren't telling me what Times Now reports. You recommend NPR often and often. Do you ever hear them telling you other channels 
anchor's unsolicited point of view. So, Yogeshwar, she says, I don't think you like people's unsolicited advice. Please take it as a mail as a subscriber's rant mail. No, no. So, no, I don't <laughs> mind unsolicited advice. In fact, I get it all the time. Uh, but, I mean, I do filter it through what we are trying to do. So, this is actually, I've got from not just you, Yogeshwar, many people. I mean, not that they don't read our reports. Most of our subscribers actually read our reports because that's where our reporting happens. This podcast is an opinion podcast. It's a gab fest. And many uh, other subscribers have also said that we don't get the full week's news on this. And that's actually when we started doing headlines. Because earlier we never used to do headlines, if you remember, Manisha. We just used to go into a discussion. But then people started tuning into Hafta saying, Yar, Hafta mein ek podcast sunta hon, kam se kam headlines de diya karo. So that's when we actually we started doing headlines. Before that, we never used to do headlines. But this Hafta is not planet money. Hafta is not three things. This podcast started off as an exercise in transparency. So you can see where the leadership team comes from, what our biases are. And that's, for me, the fun of it. We have Daily Dose, which is just a vanilla news podcast with, you know, the main six, seven stories of the day. And we're going to be starting, we're going to be making, let's talk about, but that is not three things, you know, kind of tells you about it. Daily Dose will go deep into something. And we are actually starting a few more current affairs kind of podcasts. But yeah, Hafta is not that. And as far as media critique goes, that is our USP. And I have articulated this on several panels. The biggest reason the media in India went down shit creek was because no one was critiquing media. I believe every media organization should also do media critique, not just news laundry. I believe Times Now should do it, Republic should do it, NDTV should do it, everyone. Because only when we call each other out will we become better. So on that, I'm pretty certain I would like others to become like us rather than us become like others. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, when we have an app, then you'll be able to see our articles. But most of our reporting happens in the form of articles or videos, which accompany articles. So that's my on Yogeshwar. Anybody else has any view? If we are saying uh, media is the fourth estate of democracy, it has to be held accountable like any other institution of democracy and somebody has to. So who's going to hel- hold the media accountable? Media itself. Yeah, I think it's uh, strange, but I mean, a lot of journalists have that, but some news consumers also have this that don't bitch about others. So, I mean, it's not bitching, it's critiquing. You you critique politicians, you critique judges, you critique doctors, you you know, you critique a lot of people. And so you critique media too. And yeah, you could have a problem with the style. Sometimes I, I agree we are a bit irreverent or we are a bit satirical or a little over too in top. your face yeah. or over the top. So that's, that's fine. I mean, that I understand different people have different tastes. But the aspect of critiquing the media, reporting on the media is, it's a very normal function. And most... Uh, you know, newspapers in the West do it. Like NYT does it, Guardian does it, Atlantic does it. And we are media watchdog. I mean, yeah, I mean, news us, laundry. The name is news he's laundry. Asking us, yeah, yeah, we I are mean, media I mean, watchdog. It, among other things, uh-huh. I mean, I yeah don't use the word watchdog personally myself for other reasons. But uh-huh. yeah, I th- we do media critique. Uh-huh. We will do that. And specifically, Hafta and Nuisance are our primary flagship media critique shows. So and maybe tippani. we should and Tippani, correct. So I mean that. That is a given. Yeah. So, yeah. And pure news, I think, Daily Dose. You should tune into Daily Dose for your Daily Dose of... Or go to the website, I mean, as long... Yeah, but I think a lot of people, Apple comes they don't have apps yeah. now. They don't want to go through mm-hmm. browsers. So, anyway, well, Yogesha, the good news is the app is coming soon. It's already under development. So, let's see how long it takes. But even on website, we may not have... We may not give you the daily news of the day. We don't yeah. do that. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, we I mean, we are not that, a yeah. daily news... Yeah. But but your Daily provider. Dose would do that. It would fill mm-hmm. you up on the news that you need to know for the day. So, check out Daily Dose, our other podcast. And check out all other podcasts as well. So, now let's get to introducing our panel. We have our managing editor, Raman Kripal. Hi. Our wonderful Mehraj Lone, who Hello. handles our desk and heads 
the editorial there and manisha pandey are award winning journalist and live one at nine 2016 i think you just stop saying it now. okay our superstar anchor <laughs> who has the most fans in news laundry i should win another award who's um, about to complete 100 100 episodes yeah after yeah. that she wants a break and she yes. actually is thinking she's getting it have you noticed <laughs> फौजी suspected of not being nationalistic enough but before we get into uh, your pieces and your analysis of what's happening on the chinese border just want to give an intro to those of our new listeners who may not know you though i'm sure most of them will uh, ajay who's been on hafta before is an indian journalist he's a retired colonel from the indian army he writes on defense policy on production acquisition and currently works as a consulting editor with business standard he has worked at doordarshan news and ndtv and many of you would have seen him appear on several channels with his analysis that has uh, unfortunately been proved to be true i i'm not thinking unfortunately because he's not a good analyst but because what he's been saying for a long time was kind of an ostrich like approach was being taken to your commentary now ajay you know i'll just hand over to you what has happened in the last 2 3 days there's so many conflicting reports we're getting that you know they've come up to finger four now was finger four ever with us so it was not with us people are denying ki bhai kuch gaya hi nahi hai just give us an idea of the lay of the land what is the latest as of today from what you are getting from your sources okay let me let me start by uh, sort of just briefly chronologically telling you what has happened up to this point uh, it all began in uh, the the sort of third week of april when reports started coming in from across the border from our satellites from our intelligence agencies that there was a large amount of chinese movement troop movement uh, across the line of control in eastern ladakh uh, which is uh, which corresponds to china's Xinjiang region and Tibet region the border between the two everybody thought that this was just uh, people shaking out of their winter mode uh, you know in winter both sides tend to uh, lock down uh, daily functioning and and sort of dos down for combating the extreme cold conditions and then come spring everybody comes out and goes does their patrolling and goes up to their line of actual control and so on uh, and uh, basically returns to business as usual so people thought the chinese were just get returning to business as usual however the on the indian side it was not business as usual because the formations that come up to the line of actual control on our side did not come up this year because of the covid-19 uh, sort of lockdown so there was nobody on the indian side the chinese were all up and about and lo and behold they turned and they marched into three different sectors of india and occupied a, a, a chunk of indian territory all told it comes to in my calculation about 60 square kilometers uh, and uh, they they just sat down and started building defenses uh, now when uh, i heard about this through my sources i reported it uh but there was there when, was when was this when the indian when, side when did you report this uh, i reported this towards the end of uh, april beginning of march round about uh, i i don't remember the exact date but let's say it was very early march 
Uh, I beg your pardon, very early May, end okay. April, early May. Okay. Uh, and uh, there was sort of uh, nothing but uh, off the record denials from the Indian uh, army side, from the government side, the Ministry of Defense had nothing to say on it. So I kept reporting and I kept reporting. And then there were actual active denials. There were reports that were fed to friendly correspondents that no such thing is happening and the situation is perfectly under control. And this is just business as usual on the line of actual control. And then uh, this went on until the day that uh, 20 Indian soldiers were killed, actually. And then there could be no hiding it any further. So um, before I come to the current situation, what in your view was the reason for the government denying it? Is it A, they don't have an idea of how to handle policy or aggression on our borders. I mean, this is a government that is more interested and more adept at winning elections internally, a bit like, I guess, you know, Trump, who's not exactly a whiz at handling international relations, but can win elections locally. Or is it that because we don't have the strength right now to take it on, it's best to pretend it doesn't happen? What of the two is it? Or is it genuine not understanding what's happening there? Uh, no, I don't believe that there was a lack of understanding of what happened. Uh, what I saw and what I assessed was an unwillingness to admit that uh, a country that says set so much store by a muscular nationalism, the government itself uh, sort of operates on the chappan inch kichati principle. For, for, for uh, a government and a military in these circumstances and in this position to actually have to get up and admit that China had come in and occupied large chunks of territory on our thing. Uh, so the, they, they sort of thought that by kicking the can down the road, the situation would resolve itself. The Chinese might, having made a point, just get up and leave, uh, as, as has happened in the past. So they were, they were, there was a very hopeful and optimistic approach that this whole problem will resolve itself. Except that this time, the Chinese seem to have come with a whole different outlook, a whole different attitude, a whole new brand of aggression, and they seem to have come to stay. But why is that? What what explains this? Uh, you know, change in the way China is dealing with this border. Last week, we had another expert, Mohan Guruswami, on this, and he actually said a similar thing that you know, because of COVID. Our side they hadn't occupied their posts. So when the Chinese got there and saw that our side wasn't occupied, they said, Chalo, nikal lete So that I mean, clearly this is a lot of informed people are saying this. But what why is the why are the Chinese doing this now, in your understanding? There are multiple reasons that could be driving Chinese behavior. Uh, I have to confess, I have not had a peep into Xi Jinping's brain or anybody right. in uh, positions of authority. But I'll briefly summarize for you what it could be. One, it could be at the geostrategic level, a warning to India not to get too cozy with the United States, not to form part of an anti-China axis like the Quad, uh, and uh, not to criticize China too much on forums about the COVID-19. So one is this whole geopolitical perspective. The other uh, reason that could be driving Chinese behavior is our uh, approach to Kashmir. Uh, when we uh, changed the status of Kashmir in uh, August 5th last year, uh, we published a new map after that, you know, showing the Union territories of Jammu and Kashmir and North Ladakh, respectively. Uh, that map showed the Aksai Chin area that China controls and claims as a part of Indian territory. 
And then ministers like Amit Shah made statements in parliament that we will get back all our territory, including uh, Gilgit-Baltistan and, and Aksai Chin. Now, that could have riled China. That could have set alarm bells ringing in China. And that could be one of the drivers. And the third big driver that could be there is India's construction of infrastructure. You know, we after many years of not creating infrastructure on the border, many decades, over the last two decades, we have actually started creating infrastructure, building roads and so on. And specifically, this road that goes past these areas where China has come, you know, Pangongso and Galwan, it goes to a place called Dolak Bay Goldi near the Karakuram Pass. So there could be alarm bells over uh, construction of that infrastructure. And China might be sending a signal that don't, uh, don't disturb the status quo on the border. So these are three big reasons that could be driving which of them is the key driver, which of them are ancillary drivers. I guess we'll find out in the days ahead. And before the rest of the panel jumps in, I just had one last question that after, you know, the unfortunate incidents that happened, which led to the deaths of our soldiers at the border, there is the narrative at least many news organizations are pushing that now they are back on the drawing board and they've said, okay, peace shall prevail and we will pull back. Uh, the Chinese have said we will also pull back. But today I read a report that that is not in fact true and they have crossed even further in and are building uh, at least semi-permanent settlements there. Is, is that what you're also getting and what is the evidence of that? Or is that not true? Uh, that is uh, understated, if anything else. Uh, I think that uh, the Chinese have activated new areas. They've come into the Depsang area also as well now, in addition to the Galwan area, the Hot Springs area, and the Pangongso area where they had come in earlier. The Chinese, this whole business of disengagement is a disingenuous fraud that the government is, is playing. Basically, what uh, the government is saying is that they have agreed to disengage with the Chinese but they have agreed to do so from the point that is deep inside Indian territory, which is the Galwan River's confluence with the Shok, which is already five to seven kilometers deep inside Indian territory. So to disengage from there and have the Chinese go back to the line of actual control and have India say that we will not go beyond the Shok-Galwan junction is like a bit like a thief coming into your house and coming into the dining room and saying, that now, now let us disengage, you go back to the bedroom and I'll go back to the front door uh, or the door, the early part of the drawing. You know, he's already in occupation of Indian territory. And the disengaged portion, the territory that has been, uh, both sides have agreed to disengage from, is all Indian territory, territory that India has claimed. So the Chinese have never been so patrolled. far in. They have never come so far in in the past. They've never come so far in the past. Never, ever. Oh, I see. And I think satellite maps are uh, the proof of it. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like the rest of the panel to come in uh, with any questions for uh, Colonel Shukla. I mean, the only comment I have, I'm just thinking out loud, that how can something so big kind of be wished away by narrative building? I mean, are we truly in the age of fake news where you can payload anything and people say it didn't happen? I mean, it's, it's almost like... Like you said, someone's walking into your house and saying, there's no one here, I can't see anyone. Is that possible to build in today's day and age in the news ecosystem that we have? And, and is it possible to sustain that? Oh, well, it, it really does seem to be possible because half of India, uh, I mean, in, given our 
sort of highly polarized political environment this is not surprising but half of india which is supporting uh, narendra modi and i have to say the prime minister himself have actually just flatly refused and refuted the idea and the notion that the chinese have come into indian territory the prime minister himself flatly refuted that and then had to issue two clarifications after that to try and make this complete lie into truth so uh, i think that there is a political polarization that is causing half the people to believe that the chinese are about to take over all of india and the other half to believe that absolutely nothing is wrong in the reign of a uh, good prime minister narendra modi and that's where the situation stands right now it's completely polarized colonel shukla uh, what i wanted to understand is i mean obviously this is a challenge to indian sovereignty integrity but beyond that in practical terms what does this mean for the balance of power between the two countries for example what does it mean militarily what does it mean strategically for india now that china has come in and they are saying we won't go back this is us well uh, one thing it does mean is that china has shown india that it can walk into indian territory occupy indian territory and not have to leave at least not so far i don't know what happens in the days ahead but not have to leave and india will just have to deal with it that's one very big uh, sort of uh, slap across the face to india but the second issue that is a military prospect in the days ahead is that now we will not be able to do what we have done all these days on the line of actual control with china which is to remain in areas that are uh, sort of far from the border uh, at least some way from the border and just exercise our control by sending out patrols that go up to these patrolling points along the line of actual control now we might have to actually physically occupy the line that we uh, believe is completely crucial for our security we will have to position troops there permanently 365 days a year the way we do on the line of control with pakistan so from one active border and one semi active border we will now have to deal with two fully active borders mm-hmm. uh, and finally we will have to uh, sort of put in place contingency plans for what we will have to do in case china disturbs the status quo even further what that disturbance could take what form it could take is something that still is being uh, discussed in the planning circles but it's it's a real possibility china has shown that they don't respect the status quo they have essentially torn up five agreements with india that have maintained peace on the line of actual control from 1993 till today and they tossed them into the dustbin and that's india will just have to lump it and given that india has actually like done that they have just like sort of said ki nothing has happened prime minister himself so is there a risk that china may pull the same stunt elsewhere on the lac say in arunachal or elsewhere uh, yes uh, there is absolutely every prospect that china might do something to activate the arunachal border as yet uh, there are early indications that it might already be happening uh, but i would just correct you on one score it is not true that the government is just ignoring what is happening it is true that the government is not acknowledging what is happening yes but there is a major build up that is taking place from the indian side as well india is moving troops to the border india is taking sort of uh, steps to ensure that if the situation worsens it's not caught completely by surprise again so there is a sort of uh, a movement taking place on the ground but no acknowledgement or very little acknowledgement of that in policy circles 
Indians. Colonel Shukla, there were conflicting versions, you know, of what happened on the D-Day when the fight happened between the two. So do you have any any information through your sources what exactly happened on that day? Yeah. And, and second, today there is a report from the US sources that the China's attack was premeditated. I wanted to add to that actually, uh, Raman says, because I read a lot of reports. I mean, I read Shivaroor, I read Manupabhi, Praveen Swami, then Barkhadat's reports also that basically elaborated on what happened uh, when uh, 20 of our soldiers died. Some of them indicated that we crossed the LAC to Chinese side and attacked their tents. Some of them said that we, you know, we were chased by the Chinese death squads, quote unquote, away from the LAC. And then there were also conflicting figures on Chinese, uh, the deaths on the Chinese side. I think Barkha put it at 12, Shivaroor and Manupabhi put it around 17, 18. And then there was also news that 40 stretchers were seen on the Chinese side. I mean, it's not certain whether it was injured or not. These were injured men or dead, but there were 40 stretchers. And of course, the news of the commander, the Chinese commander also being killed. So where are you on all this? I mean, what, what, have, what do you know? <laughs> Uh, I know one thing for sure, that the Indian troops did not cross over to the Chinese side of the line of actual control. Uh, the Indian troops fought that action entirely on their own side because the Chinese have not withdrawn at any stage beyond PP14, patrolling point 14, which is a point about one kilometer to one and a half kilometers on the Indian side of the line of actual control and is the point up to where Indian patrols used to go to exercise sovereignty over that area. This action, everybody acknowledges, took place in the region of patrolling point 14, which means automatically that they were one kilometer to 1.5 kilometers on the Indian side of the line of actual control. Uh, why do we want to make out or why are some sources feeding that India actually went over to the Chinese side and killed a large number of Chinese soldiers and caused casualties? Uh, this is all part of that masculine, muscular narrative that Indian soldiers can never be sort of second in a conflict and that if one soldier dies, he will take two of the enemy along with him. This is part of that narrative, except for one really sad point, and that is that while it plays into the Chappan Ki Chati narrative, it also actually supports the Chinese narrative, which is that we were not aggressing on the Indians. The Indians crossed over to our side and started attacking us. So in a way, this whole narrative, which seeks to absolve the army of any sort of, uh, of coming second in a conflict or in a confrontation, actually plays into the Chinese hands. The same is true for the number of Chinese casualties. The Chinese press, you would notice, has quoted the Indian media to say that 43 casualties, the Indian media is reporting that they caused 43 casualties. That makes it sound like the Indians crossed and uh, aggressed into Chinese territory and were very aggressive and caused a lot of casualties. So the truth of exactly what happened, how that patrol was ambushed, whether it actually uh, sort of uh, took, uh, was taken entirely by surprise, is something we will only get to know well into the future. But 
What is sort of regrettable right now is that the Indian narrative that is sought to be painted actually corresponds with the Chinese narrative. And in that sense, we are not doing ourselves a favor. And there's one one more question I want to ask you. Most people who have agreed with the Prime Minister's line that there has been no intrusion have said that in these areas in eastern Ladakh, there's been no intrusion because these were areas where both India and China would patrol and then go back to their positions. So these were positions that weren't really occupied, but we would all patrol. I mean, both sides would patrol and go back to their original positions. And what is different now is that China has come into these patrolling positions and is stopping India from patrolling and is not going back to, you know, their sort of positions. Is that correct? Or I mean, where do you stand on this sort of uh, explanation of why there's no intrusion? There are two or three things that are completely unique, uh, Manisha and which do not allow us to uh, seek comfort from previous patterns mm. uh, and say that nothing different is really happening. Firstly, all these people who say that no Indian territory has been ceded or the Chinese have not exceeded, uh, sort of occupied any Indian territory uh, have been disproven not only by satellite photos, not only by the fact that our patrol was ambushed by PP-14, but by also by multiple accounts that are now beginning to come out more true accounts of what is happening. Uh, there are some major differences in what the Chinese have done this time. The first is they have come into areas where they never came in earlier, where they were not patrolling area. This, uh, this narrative of both sides claiming a certain line and patrolling up that line is not true because, for example, in the Galwan Valley, the Chinese were never coming earlier up to the mouth of the valley where the Galwan River joins the Shok. They have come this time. Uh, the second thing that is completely different is the degree of aggression. You know, there were 73 soldiers who were injured in that clash on Pangongso in, uh, uh, on the 5th of May. Uh, there are 20 soldiers who have been killed in this latest clash on June 15th. There are another 70-odd soldiers who were injured in that clash. This is serious violence. The Chinese early, this is a very different ball game from that little bit of jostling and pushing and the occasional punch that was thrown between patrols in earlier days. Uh, and finally, the big, big difference is that China has come to stay. They have come, they have occupied territory on the ground, they have started building defences, which seems to indicate that they are preparing for a fight, if necessary, if India tries to evict them by force. So these three big differences are there and they cannot be wished away. This is completely different from what has been happening in previous years. And uh, one last question, and I think if anyone has any, then we can move on. This is about reporting on issues such as these. A, uh, quickly, if you can tell me, have you ever served in this part of the country? Uh, I have not been physically posted in Ladakh, but I have visited it very often. As a journalist, I have reported from there. I have attended border meetings with the Chinese. But you have I served have in Jammu and Kashmir. The Pangongso, but I have not, as a military officer, been stationed in, uh, in this sector of the line of actual control. Where I have been stationed is in Arunachal Pradesh, uh, where, in fact, at the time of the Sundarongchu incursion. I see. Now, when one is reporting something like this, is it even possible for a non-military or a former military person to be reporting? Because A, getting there is not a possibility. I mean, I, I understand you know, many journalists reach Ladakh and say we have reported from Ladakh, but that's as good or bad as reporting from Delhi, right? Because you're still miles from the action. So what additional benefit are you getting if you're in lay? Is there any additional benefit? And without any contacts or sources within the officer or the Jawan rank, 
Is it possible to report this? Is there any other way to report this? Uh, there are uh, sort of uh, some ways to report it. One is by having access to satellite photographs. The other is by having access to local communities who are uh, sort of familiar with what is going on over there. By having access to uh, to sort of military sources and to people who are willing to feed you information from inside the establishment. The problem with this business of getting information from the military establishment is that you are essentially co-opted as a journalist into the military narrative. Uh, if, you, if somebody is saying, I'm reporting from Leh, it, basically what he's saying is that I'm reporting what the army and what 14 core headquarters is telling. So basically Leh is as good or bad as reporting from Delhi, basically. It doesn't add any uh, value to you. No, it's it's probably worse than reporting from Delhi because <laughs> Delhi you have, can probably have access to more sources and you're not closeted into a certain area the way you are when you actually go there. Traveling physically on the ground to any of these sites is not possible at this point in time. The army has effectively ensured that nobody from outside can come in and there's a mobilization and stuff underway anyway. The truth of the matter is that you are as good as your sources if you're uh, sort of taking dictation from an establishment person. Uh, then you're, you're uh, reporting a particular line. But if you're talking to somebody who's relatively uh, unbiased and unaffiliated, uh, then you're, you're sort of likely to be closer to the truth. And what about the WhatsApps we get from, you know, fathers, cosmetics, kids, or other acquaintances or friends who was in the army or who took premature retirement that, oh, the morale is this. And they, I mean, I know their politics is very anti-Modi. So when they are sending me these forwards, are they actually getting this from their, you know, former cosmates or colleagues on the ground? Or is this just WhatsApp forwards being done? Is there, would any serving officer be for texting his friend that, dude, we are really angry this happened, but we can't speak up? Would, would anyone do that? Uh, yes, there is absolutely the possibility of that. The army is seriously concerned about uh, social media leakage. There is a sort of fairly strict social media policy that they've put into place. Uh, but, uh, you know, people find ways around that. So uh, every uh, sort of message on WhatsApp, you will appreciate, comes through a certain filter. Uh, and some of those filters can be pro-establishment and some can be anti-establishment. I would not, uh, sort of, uh, as a reporter, as a correspondent, uh, I would take note of what is being said, but I would never base reporting uh, sort of on that alone. Just just because it's come from a 4G. You won't say, Kyuki, you won't say, Kyuki, this has come from me from a 4G, I'll take it. You would, you, I mean, that is not good enough reason. No, forgies can be as biased in their assessments and their affiliations as civilians. And just by virtue of it coming from a military group uh, does not uh, sort of add any special authenticity. Okay, thanks so much, Colonel Shukla. Thank you for your reporting and for your service. I think you're doing a very difficult job. In a time Thank of you, Abhinandan. I, you can say that again without being guilty of any exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> So before you go, recommend something that could enrich the lives of our listeners. Uh, I think given the, the current preoccupation with China, let me recommend a book on China that has uh, come out uh, last year, if I remember correctly. It's called The Beautiful Country and the Middle Kingdom. It's by John Pomfrey. And it traces the history of America's relationship with China 
from the time the United States became uh, independent in the 1770s. Uh, it's a fantastic book and it leaves you with a clear idea of how if China is a superpower today, if China is an educational powerhouse, if China is a scientific powerhouse, it is the United States that can take and claim full credit for it because it's helped China right from the late 19th century onwards. Uh, it's affiliated itself with Chinese institutions like Tsinghua University. It's a fascinating account of the US-China relationship from independence until today. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Ajay. Take care. Thanks, Abhinandan. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. See you, folks. Okay, before we move on to other discussions and uh, this whole COVID-related medication news that Baba Ramdev ran an ad on, we have a new NLCNA project. Well, it's not new, it's been around, I think, for two weeks. Uh, this is the long wait for home because when India went into lockdown, there were almost 9 lakh housing units that were under construction in Mumbai and about 4.25 in NCR. Construction work halted, economy stressed, investors stretched. Will these buyers ever get their homes? This is one of our NLCNA projects that is not getting topped up as quickly as some of the older ones. And I wonder why, because this is a very important aspect for our economy and many people who've put their life savings into homes. So do spread the word. If you can contribute to this NLCNA project, we will be very grateful. Go to our subscription page. Also, I mean, there's one angle that force majeure, which is a part of every contract, is being invoked, saying that that is why COVID was a force majeure and therefore these homes can't be completed. So it's a pretty big story and it can have huge repercussions economically, you know, as 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 a snowball effect on the rest of the economy. So if you can afford to, please contribute to this NLCNA project. Now, uh, before we actually move on to, you know, Patanjali's show on all the channels yesterday, on this whole China thing, have you noticed a slight softening of the rhetoric of our nationalistic channels? Not really. Have no? you? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just saw that now many of the ultra-nationalistic anchors and reporters are like pretending that they don't want to see the map or whatever. It is that, you know, China cannot be trusted. Or, I mean, they're not addressing the elephant in the room. They're not talking about, you know, the obvious shit lying in the center of the table. They're just talking about, you know, a foul smell that's coming and why my eyes watering and stuff. China is terrible and all that, yeah. So I, I just think that's scary in... in when you expect media to inform you. And this has to do with my recommendation, but I'll come to that in the no, end. I no, I think India media... Today and NDTV have been kind of No, reporting. NDTV uh, did a proper reporting. They, I think, came up with the satellite maps yesterday. And they showed, you know, how the Chinese have come in, you know, from uh, in various sectors of... Uh, India Today also uh, India has Today been also. using the maps. And uh, kind of... But other channels, media channels, they are, I think, harping more on the ban on Chinese products. Hmm. Instead of the border, they are talking about... Yeah, it's becoming... Uh, it's becoming more a rant against their products. Ki ye mat khedo, wo mat khedo, but this is what is happening. Right? Because that goes well with the narrative. The other thing yes. is... Goes and the other really funny thing, which I think is really stupid and really shows us for some... The third world country that we are. Sorry <laughs> for hurting people's feelings. But, you know, their news reports that America jawab de dega. America bada gussa hai. Or Trump ke... Trump ab de... It's so like... It's like, hey, my big friend, you know, my big bully friend is will teach you a lesson. Who might not be interested in anything. Oh, yeah, who might not want to... It's like the classic... If you see these medias, they are uh, very eager uh, for the US to have a base camp in India. I mean, the Dude, way they I don't know talk about, about it. But I will say, I, I I thought there was a... It was a good wake-up call as far as the, you know, the data is concerned on um, China economy vis-a-vis -vis India. Samir Saran said this over on India Today. He said, 
you know, our, not just India, this entire region's $3 billion economy is not what China's interested in. It's interested in the $22 billion EU economy. That is mm-hmm. what it's preparing for. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even if you keep doing your boycotts and all, they don't even, they're not interested. You can't afford to do that, those boycotts also. So Yesterday I was reading almost... the input costs of Indian companies. Not just that, I mean, antibiotics, for example, the compounds that are used to make those, most of them come from China. China yeah. Something which is very avoidable. Last week, I needed four mugs. Hmm. Okay, so I went to this uh, home center lifestyle. I had completely forgotten about, I, I liked three, four cups so i i just took those mugs later i said yeah i must check whether it is for it was made in china no and oh, even oh. i mean even diwali lights and all uh-huh. it's really flooding I mean, them and we should have i i do think we should have protected our markets against yes. this flooding of substandard chinese stuff yes. but i mean it's good to do it now but it's not going to happen in the next one or two no, weeks it's Shank- a long-term policy i think shankar here said this also the same thing that i guess last week said that this is not something you can do right now because you're pissed off yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. have to build capacity but you can't Cut your own nose to spite your face because your own inputs are coming from there. Your domestic industry will fail. So over time, you have to build up kind of substitutes and then use that. But I just think, you know, this was reported by, I think, Times as if it is a good thing that some thugs had broken some shop and and stopped him from selling Chinese goods, some Kirana store. Movement and they call it. Yeah, they called it a movement. (laughs) It was ridiculous. Now, the thing is, stuff that's already here... What you expect these shopkeepers who in any case are making such little money to say, we'll do it all. If you don't want to do it, then do it on the international level. Say, tell our government that you can't do it from China. Then when you say to your industry, you can Also, sporting thing. industry, all these, I was reading a report in Indian Express, gloves, rackets, ah. shuttlecock, it's, it's all Chinese. See, so they were like, boss, we can't now suddenly start producing. You have to give us time. The quantum of exports, if you look at, it's about, I think, uh, China's exports are 1260 uh, billion uh, dollars. Okay. India is just 60 billion. So, 1200 uh, you know, billion of export is happening somewhere else. So, they are not so much bothered. But we are completely flooded with, you know, Chinese products, whether it comes to a mug or the pharmaceutical. No, but it's, I mean, it's a good thing if you develop your own indigenous capacity. I ah. mean, coronavirus pandemic, if anything, it has shown that you can't rely on mm. those whole ideas of it's a globalized world, everything yes. will come from everywhere. That's not the case. You have to have your indigenous capacity, but you can't do it overnight. I mean, even America is struggling right now. I mean, they offshored everything to China through the 90s, 2000s. And now suddenly when they don't even have medicine, so they are stuck. So right. yeah, I no, mean you. I mean, so this is like childish. I mean, but it plays well for the like the optics are good for the yeah, ruling party and all that. 10, That's why they are doing 10, it. Ten fifteen years ago, we were self dependent in many in in electronic products, in toys, several uh, several other industries. I mean, but they have wound up, and they they right now. I mean, they go to China and they get. Yeah, but the exported. fact is that the, I mean, it has become more accessible. A lot of things have become more accessible yeah. to people. I mean, there is no doubt about you know many shoes and other products like back in like. 25 years ago, it was very unlikely I'd be wearing the same shoes as my guard. Now, it often happens. You're wearing the same pair of Keds because, you know, it is affordable. I mean, the regular Keds as opposed to the Keds that are available. So, a lot of these products, I mean, I guess a certain strata of society has benefited, but you have become more dependent at a macro level. Yeah. So, I mean, it's complicated. Yeah, It's not that simple. Basically. It's not simple, but no. I mean, it can be done. See, for yeah. example, India is the pharmacy of the world. Hmm. Like most of the generic drugs, everything is produced in India. So if you invest in that, if you try to boost that industry, you will get that. Not like in overnight, but 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, you will have a capacity for that. 
you can sure. do that india is now producing so much food i mean it's rotting in greens they're not giving it to people who need it that's a different matter but they are producing they're like there's enough food to go around so you right. can do that it's not like you can't but you have to invest in it similarly uh, with infrastructure education baki cheeze so i have a couple of emails and then we can get into the gods and godmen's impact on corona and i'm talking about you know, jagannath yatra and uh, baba ji this mail is from sunit it's a 51 word mail hi anil a very good hafta 281 very informative discussion with your guest on china development not able to find such information elsewhere you should make it public in chota hafta keep up the good work thanks sunith uh, did we make a bit of it public there was a bit i think sunith says all of it should be public okay this email is from gorav lele uh, it's a very long mail but gorav was the one who had written that earlier mail which then there was to and fro on where some people thought that my response was not adequate it did not address the issue so gorav says i hope to keep engaging anil in good faith I must start with congratulating you guys on the latest hafta from a guest to some of Anand and Mehraj's interesting insights. The episode was a spectacular one. I'd also like to thank Vijay Krishnan for his well-articulated and well-meaning intervention. I have three not so brief points. I don't keep them brief as I want to avoid misunderstanding. <laughs> so please focus on the bold italic if you're short of time if you guys want I can expand some of my points uh, below later for more coherence. Maybe we should get Gaurav on uh, you know that every quarter or few months we have a hafta with just subscribers. I think let's get one going. Let's get Gaurav on it and get four five other subscribers and have a hafta with subscribers. Okay? Above and beyond a regular hafta. So Gaurav I will wait for you to come on hafta to discuss this and in, in fact then you don't have to limit to 1000 words you can go to 2000 but right now i'll read out your bold italics this is regarding what all we should cover but i agree it's better to not cover a topic than to cover a topic badly as many outlets in the country have done i see why this may be difficult to cover science environment in depth understanding the resource constraints of nl it wouldn't be fair to expect the widths of coverage but we can expect you to keep a watch on platforms like the print and others which you guys are already doing and that's something i believe in nl's usp So yes that is a USP we will keep track of what other media houses are doing the second thing he says that uh, he says if his mail made us feel that he was a fan of Anand Ranganathan or Ajit Ayer Mitra then that was a serious miscommunication i cringe whenever i see them pompous dishonest and silver back aping crowd on twitter for the twitter right wing gallery but doesn't take away the manner of the communication which is effective forceful and polemic below is my assessment which is self critical as well as i firmly identify as someone from the left So he's put columns that what he would do the 2014 assessment of certain news outfits hmm. and what the 2020 assessment would be. News laundry 2014 center left with some overlap with right. 2020 left with sparse overlap with right. Okay. Wire left आ गए हम. 2014 left with no overlap with right. 2020 far left. <laughs> Swaraj 2014 right with some overlap with center. 2020 far right. Open India 2014. right propaganda rooted in fact 2020 right propaganda rooted in fake news <laughs> i like that one <laughs> india today 2014 left leaning 2020 swing from left to right <laughs> monkey balancing i i mean i i think it's fairly accurate your assessment but i'll just say one reason why one could be perceived as being more left after 2014 and i've said this often and uh, you know when i was on great bongs podcast it is your job only to attack the central government no it's not but if you're delhi based your primary adversary is the central government during the upa time we were most of the time between 2012 and 2014 and you, you can go to close line and see our crosshairs had sonia manmohan sibbal chidambaram these are the people we were going at ndtv also we used to really we like used to really make part in, in fact that's snow white and the seven dwarfs snow white as sonia gandhi and the seven dwarfs as many employees of ndtv we used to do stuff like that we did that whole animation so that is why but now that the central government is 
a hugely right-wing government, we will be seen as more left because I think the job of media is to take on your primary adversary, which is the government in the center for us. If I was Telegraph, it should be Bengal government. If I was Kerali TV, it should be, you know, whoever's the government. I think that is a normal swing. I think what's an abnormal swing is that when you go further towards the government in power, that is an abnormal swing for a news That's outfit. That's what Absolutely. I was going to say. Arnab and Sudhir, they'll disagree. Also, the whole job of media is to question Rahul Gandhi all the time. <laughs> also, I mean, in, even in terms of media critique, when you have a Republic or you have a Z News really putting out blatant sort of propaganda Fake to then news. go on harping about what NDTV did when UPA was in power, it's a bit, it's a bit out of right. tune. Then Gaurav goes on to say, I personally think that there should be active engagement with all ideological voices as long as the engagement is civil, in good faith and without boundaries of free speech. The other italicized part is the tragedy of deplatforming such voices is that any moderation editorial compromise they have to face in a small L liberal media platforms are thrown out of the window once they venture into right-wing media space, which they always do. These voices then tend to become more ideological as only a few of their views are challenged. Ignoring these voices, parochial and bigoted may limit legitimacy for these voices in the eyes of a few. But ignoring these in the long term often leads to the creation of an atmosphere where liberal voices are delegitimized in the eyes of the masses. Then he goes on to say, if NL wishes to grow, have more subscribers with wider readership, ideological diversity might be a good alternative for growth. What I'm suggesting is not monkey balancing that Rahul Kamal and Rajdeep do, but platforming the engagement in good faith. Hmm. But platforming and engagement in good faith. So thanks for that, Gaurav. Uh, like I've promised, maybe um, what we're in June, right? Maybe the last week of July, let's have a hafta with just subscribers. We've done a few of these in the past. So let's have a special hafta in addition yeah. to the regular hafta. No, and also this is something that a lot of people have been saying that uh, they, they're unable to get other people to watch or read News Laundry because they think we're too left. Mm. I'm wondering like, I, I would honestly like to figure out why that impression is created and how we could... Actually, this has I a mean, lot to do with my recommendation at the end. Anyway. Hmm. <laughs> but let's talk about gods and godmen. Uh, so you start. You saw the Supreme Court order. A, there's some confusion if someone can clarify it. Earlier, the Supreme Court said the Ratha is to be stopped and it shall be... Stayed. Stayed. And the state government should set up a panel to decide whether it goes ahead or not. Then, even that was not good enough for appeasing, I guess, the, the predominant opinion. Then they said, no, we will only decide, do it, but with restrictions. Because the government lawyer, Tushar Mehta, said that this only happens once in 12 years. If you don't allow it now, so we'll have to wait another 12 years. No, it happens every year, the Yathra I think there is some 12 year thing. Okay, maybe this. this time there's some. Tw- but Ratha, it happens every year. Yeah, I've shot the Yatra. Yeah. I've, I've, I've shot it for a TV show. My, but that was... is the argument he made. I'm not exactly sure how would the okay. rituals and everything is. But he said maybe there's a special effect. Maybe, yeah. maybe when it coincides with a whatever Surya Haran or something. Suraj, whatever, what, what's it called? Grahan. So the maybe, eclipse. Yeah. Maybe there yeah. is some special constellation that are coming together. But yeah, okay. So that was what happened. A, do you think. It's fair. I mean, just because we are irreligious, is that fair? B, it got very little coverage, right? Mm. It got very little coverage. And even some coverage which came out in some papers, I got a mail from the Odisha that they are misleading reports. Uh, You know, the way the Supreme Court and all this had been reported. And Supreme Court, uh, you know, turned on its own decision that it should not happen. Then they said it should happen. So I think that, yes, the media has not reported too much. Or scrutinized what happened. That no. is because, I mean, they went hammer and tongs at Jamaat 
right tablighi jamaat and this doesn't reconcile with that but that apart i mean supreme court had absolutely no business deciding on this mm. i've been saying this again and again this is a decision for a public health expert mm. i mean it's another matter that the greatest public health expert right now seems to be amit shah but mm. that is the decision it, it's supreme court has no jurisdiction here i mean wh- why how do they decide on they, this yeah, how how can they decide we, on this ha but when, i when think the state government this... should have the right to decide i mean they have to see the capacity they have to see consulting the public health experts public health ah. they have to see whether that's the, the only yeah. reason to stop it or allow yes. it right so why is the supreme court getting into we this we did not allow eid uh, you know in full swing so so mm. which was which was sensible decision sensible it shouldn't decision. happen allowed yes. whether this should have been allowed because everything else has been opened ah. so is it good to allow this or not allow this that should be a decision for a public health expert and mm. i'm wondering if a muharram procession had to you know be taken out around this time i'm sure there would be clamor against like do you really need to take out the procession why can you not observe this at home and is this the time is pandemic more important or is religious you know the ganesh puja is coming which is i mean so ganesh big chaturthi chaturthi yeah. is, is so so big in uh, mumbai mm-hmm. but the thing is that the coverage is to do with basically appealing to the largest audience and this brings me to it's all about eyeballs kitne logon ne hame dekha और अगर हम वो बोलेंगे जो लोग सुनना चाहते हैं तो ज्यादा एडवर्टाइज आएंगे और ज्यादा एडवर्टाइज आएंगे तो फिर ज्यादा रेवेन्यू होगा विच इज वाई आई हैव नेवर सेड दैट द सब्सक्रिप्शन मॉडल इज फ्लॉलेस बट विद ऑल द मॉडल्स वी हैव राइट नाउ इट इज द वन दैट इज लीस्ट कॉम्प्रोमाइज जस्ट लाइक डेमोक्रेसी मे नॉट बी द बेस्ट सिस्टम इन द वर्ल्ड फॉर गवर्नेंस बट विद द ऑप्शन वी हैव इन लिविंग मेमरी इट इज द बेस्ट अमंग ऑल दैट वी हैव आई कैन बेट दैट मीडिया इज गोइंग टू लैप लैप अप यू नो कवरेज ऑफ गणेश चतुर्थी uh this, so this is that is going to ha huh, that is I going to that is going to lot be, more appeal than uh, you know rath yatra so you will see the difference it will be the biggest challenge for maybe uh, you're right yeah because uh, maybe orissa rath yatra there's not much yes. of an intrigue among people as yes. there would be with you know, yes. ganesh no the ganesh chaturthi purely because in bombay right it's yeah, in the, it's, it's in, in bombay, such an important yeah. city mm. bhuvneshwar is not uh, sorry puri is not that important in the sense of mm. an economic powerhouse but i think it will be very difficult call for dhav thakre because Basically, Ganesh Chaturthi was a their most important political event. Event. Yeah. It was not a religious event; it was a political event. So just get ready for this. So, I mean, so I mean, and considering that they have somehow managed to slightly slow down Bombay COVID cases, it, it would be very tough one for him to negotiate. Like But to again, say. if it goes Supreme Court, I mean, he'll have no say anyway. I think he'd like it to go to Supreme Court. Even I think Navin Patnaik. I don't think he wanted to take that decision. I think yeah, he like the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's the easy way. But uh, so I'm reading this. Tushar Mehta said that he, uh, Lord Jagannath, would not be able to come out if if he doesn't come out this time. Then he won't be able to come out for the next twelve years as per tradition. That's strange. So that I means if you that. if you skip one yatra, uh, so then maybe the next you can because only come I out. couldn't understand. Yeah, that. even so I, I, I just read the whatever he a... said in the Supreme Court. That was one of the arguments, main arguments. Now coming from that to this entire medicine that apparently, I mean, one thing that you know we were discussing editorially also that you know a lot of what we are hearing on what works medically, what doesn't, opinion is divided. Yeah, guys. I mean, to be very honest. much fun was made of of trump donald trump that i am taking that hydrochloric see whatever it is and who said doesn't work i have spoken to three doctors responsible doctors who even at that time said to people over 60 who have been in contact with the corona patient we are prescribing it because we are finding in some case it works and in the absence of any other medicine we'd rather you know this works so on that on many medicines that are in the market which were made for other treatments whether it was for malaria or this that but they are known to kill viruses so i would like to know that distinction baba ji's medicine doesn't even have that clearance is that right 
so apparently what the uttarakhand government is saying that they had the patanjali had uh, gone to them asking for permission for some cough syrup or something hmm. immunity immunity, immunity boosters and cough syrup so, so they so they gave the permission but it's not exactly clear if they asked permission for this specific coronal what they're hmm. calling if they asked for it no, or no, it was no. for minister something else has, minister has said it I very said. clearly it was for coronal it, no it it wasn't named coronal Exactly. So and it's had, and they had not mentioned corona. Ha. Ah, ah, so the problem is now they're using the same permissions they had gotten for immunity boosters for this. Ah. Yeah. And <laughs> and they and they're touting it as a corona drug and the media critic yeah, around media, this is what Well, everyone lapped it up but I think what's interesting to note is that Patanjali was the biggest advertiser, biggest FMCG advertiser on news channels or or channels. I'm not sure news channels but TV channels till 2016-17. By 19 they completely stopped. and there i think around in the 40th they're As probably in, the 40th biggest so and uh, add to that they've also had issues with their growth in rural growth has slowed Uh, people are not really buying it picking it up as much as they used to and urban growth has really slowed down so what's interesting is that while they've stopped formal advertising their informal advertising seems to be everywhere because ramdev this is not the first time ramdev has been on television channels propagating patanjali products since corona broke with his tulsi with his giloi he's you know also doing yoga sessions he's really i mean i'm amazed at the kind of space he's gotten on news programs so i would really like to know the arrangement how is that he's he's getting so much play in all these channels while the advertisements drop and i think one more thing that which is very disturbing to see it's not disturbing but it's almost become a formula now that if you question modi you're questioning the nation or you're somehow against the nation now if you're questioning ramdev you're questioning ayurveda so a lot of navika and even ndtv uh, anchor who comes at 9 o'clock i forget is he started coming even he's like you know i don't want to mock ayurveda i don't want to mock these ancient you're not mocking ayurveda if anyone was mocking ayurveda it's ramdev by saying that it can cure something in 7 days if you know anything about ayurveda it is not a 7 day thing mm. it, it's not something that you can go to and get cure in a 7 it's not an allopathic thing so equating ramdev with now ayurveda is just another thing that we have to deal with so i i think it was very disturbing uh, seeing navika you know she was actually saying stuff like you know agar hame ye mil gaya hai cure to kitna acha hoga because it's herbal and there will be no side effects without using chemicals if india can give this gift to the world then what is wrong with it it's criminal and if you look at what i'm sure i would love to know the sales of coronil i'm sure it's sold off because hmm. all channels have portrayed this as a possible cure while just you know questioning a little bit by now everyone would buy it and think that okay let's try what if what if it works and there's this idea anyway ki ayurveda dawai se kuch so Ram there's Dev, no side effect anyway so even if we take it kya fark padta so hai so how daring how daring this ramdev is and something like this he is challenging the existing system is challenging the government why because the ayush ministry itself 20 days ago had sent a letter on 2nd of uh, you know june that do not advertise it as corona i said they had they have. they were there were two points very clear cut points which the media has not highlighted it properly but he still went ahead that means he's he doesn't he's not even scared of that he's not that, scared of it he is right because after this whole thing blew up the ayush minister said maybe he they made a mistake but there's no problem communication gap communication said, gap communication gap but by i'd love to know the sales because he's managed to make a killing i'm sure amid his dipping sales in patanjali with this you know coronal cure 
Thanks the to news channels. Funniest thing and the lunch. most scariest thing is the way they said they conducted their trials. So they, mm. I told you before, also they went to these private hospitals, said we'll give you medicine to these uh, doctors who had come in contact with the COVID patient and they had been quarantined. No test, nobody knows if they were positive or not. Asymptomatic, obviously. They gave them and after, as was the protocol, then ICMR protocol, they were tested after 14 days of quarantine. They were negative. And these guys said they were cured because we gave them this jadi booty. And on India TV, he specifically says that you allopathy use So, I mean, this is... And today, I think Indian Express... Lies. Indian Express has come, up, come out with the news uh, that uh, they had used allopathy medicine. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. this happening in any other country? It's medical fraud. You'll go it's to jail, medical man. Fraud. It's a fraud. You'll go to jail. Your it's channels would be sh- no, shut or penalized for promoting it. Are you even Ayush Ministry? I mean, despite you know issuing that letter on second of June, they are not calling it criminal. They are all, even they are not able to uh, you know say that take an action against it. Funniest thing is they are asking Patanjali to submit their research. <laughs> <laughs> they did submit them. What research? I'd really love to I see love that. The doctor. So Basant has <laughs> spoken to one of the doctors in one of the hospitals, Yug Hospital, Yuga where uh, Ramdev said I cured six people. So he's like, if he wants to take credit, he can, but asymptomatic patients get cured anyway. And so we are, <laughs> so, he's just so like, there's this this angle also, no? We because have no problem. Take credit, these yeah. private hospitals, they're also very shady because yeah, yeah, obviously sure. they they yeah, take yeah, money for this, and yeah, yeah, exactly. that's why he's yeah, yeah, they couldn't have been in on this yeah, just out of like goodwill yeah. or. Then I just have a couple of other mails. After which I'd just like to talk about the, you know, how decisions are taken, which which Mehraj said. This mail is from Rohan Vadva. Hello team, really enjoyed Abhinandan's interview of Digvijay Singh and also the webinars. Question for Antonio Manisho Banderas. <laughs> when asked about Congress's fate, Digvijay said that people are tilting towards socialism worldwide since they are tired of right-wing governments. Because of that, Congress will fare better. I'm not sure huh. if that is even true. Is there a rise in socialism worldwide or does it seem there's going to be... Congress is hoping to ride a wave of socialism back to parliament and not because it would make a dent by being a decent opposition. I personally would not prefer that. What do you think his chances are? Also, I heard the webinar with Rasmus Nielsen from Oxford, the executive from ABP Network, actually honestly accepted that the central government doesn't need to advertise on their channel since ABP News basically does all that day in its <laughs> reporting. <laughs> I was shocked how brazen and unapologetic he was about his comments. Abhinandan, please promise me that you will never recruit an MBA in news laundry. <laughs> Oh dear God. <laughs> Why? Okay. Because this guy's probably an MBA. So Manisha, what do you think? Is is there is Even there if there's a, a wave of socialism, I don't think Congress can ride it with, no, its, but, I mean, with its pathetic leadership. Because and it's, it's never been, Congress has never been socialist. They're like mm. feudal, dynastic, nepotistic, yeah. capitalist to their bones. They've never been socialist ever. The thing, and also, I mean, Congress can go nowhere with it. It's still again on that merry-go-round. Again, there is news of Rahul Gandhi will again become, you know, president. So, I mean, so, and the also, sooner it packs up, the better for Indian democracy. Also, I don't think that's true that there's been a wave of socialist governments coming to power all over the world. In fact, it was quite the contrary. Whenever there's any significant election in the world, every wing claims that, see, this means that the world is turning right. And that happened in Brazil. Election happened, that happened in Trump won. It happened in we won. But then the opposite happened in France, in Greece, in a couple of the European countries where, you know, far socialist governments won. So I don't think there is any such, uh, you know, trend the world over. But I think the one trend that is there the world over is of authoritarian regimes with huge resources being able to influence public opinion. And my recommendation has to do with that, which we'll come to at the end. Uh, but also, I, do, I, I don't think... I mean, anyone who's really scrutinizing governance and policy would 
typify anyone as socialist or capitalist now like like mehraj said well you know pranab da and manishankar ayer would keep you know cursing the world bank walas and you know say that we are the jhola wala party the amount of like hardcore like unfair market reforms that happened i won't even call them reforms unfair market interventions that manmohan singh did i don't think anyone in the history of india has done scz the way the scz were allocated the way lignite mines were given in many parts of the country was was pretty darn unsocialist so even, so, even also, in terms of humanitarian i mean issues salwar judum was completely yeah, a green, creation of greenhunt uh, which was brutal it was brutal even in nehru's time there's this conventional wisdom that nehru was this great socialist india was all socialism and all that that was the mood of the world at that time they just mm. followed that they weren't right. socialist they were still like feudal lords and all that about this worldwide phenomenon of socialism in the last like 5 6 years at least there's been this resurgence of socially democratic socialism especially in britain and us elsewhere but it hasn't had electoral success yet britain they lost us germany Sa- bernie sanders they lost that free but, trade and markets have failed is clear but elsewhere i mean in portugal they have had amazing success like after the socialist government came into power i mean the economy and everything the reforms they put in place like india has had that brain drain for a long time and suddenly everybody was flooding back that happened in portugal spain there's been some success mexico argentina other places also so there is this resurgence when people because i mean this is clear the sure. the laissez faire capitalism hasn't worked hasn't it worked, has yeah. created a lot of in fact thing. even what and trump is doing is the antithesis of capitalism in the yes. sense of you know free movement of capital and and and, and yeah. so there is this resurgence worldwide that's true but i mean electoral sec- no democratic socialism but it hasn't had the success yet maybe in another like 5 6 10 years it will but we'll and have to wait and see there is this mail from nidhi raichand genuine question do you believe subscriber based model is important because it breaks the media channels dependency on advertisers and leads to a free independent media While I agree with the first part of the logic and the second the independent media bit I have doubts nothing with human intervention can be truly free or unbiased right yes absolutely nidhi we have said that often in fact i have done a full podcast on that at the end of the day there's still a small group of people who drive the vision of a media platform and one can only trust that editors and other stakeholders take the right call when it comes to reporting second doesn't this become a numbers game if tomorrow a right wing website goes the subscriber route what we'll have is two camps with their own funding and readers there'll be limited or no cross pollination of ideas finally the platform with the most readers and therefore most funding will become louder and more powerful the right wing website readers will never read news laundry and the free and independent stories will never be seen by majority of the people i'm sure you guys have thought this through and if my rambling above makes any sense would love to hear your thoughts nidhi so nidhi that entire bubble consumption of of media as of now there is enough data that shows that people who are genuinely interested in reading news would fund things that have ground reports so most of organizations that identify them as hardcore left or right you could you would notice are predominantly opinion based content or news other than our podcasts most of our actual text stories on our website are actual ground reports there is a tendency for people to actually pay for news and not for opinion that is the logic but things keep evolving i think the digital age is chasing changing behavior in unpredictable ways so i guess we'll have to just remain ahead of the curve and see what service we can do to journalism here hmm. Yes now coming to uh, the rollback of Delhi's lieutenant governor had said that sabko hame quarantine karna hoga then the delhi state government said aap kahan se layenge itne beds kahan se layenge aap ambulance kahan se layenge now he said there has to be a five day compulsory quarantine that also has been withdrawn yeah now this, now my point is when such an order is given if people like mehraj said with any sense of 
planning, production, medical expertise are taking that call, they would be able to say this is wrong at the first stage. It won't have to go to seconds. Like for example, if today I said everyone should come to office every day and it doesn't matter whether there is, you know, COVID or not. I'm assuming one of you will say, actually, I don't know whether you are aware, but most public transport is not working. Or let's say during the full lockdown. Someone would say, na, pata nahi, aapko shayad pata nahi, auto rickshaw kaam nahi kar rahe, hamare office mein paanch loge jinke paas apni gaadi hai, baaki kaise aayenge. Koi to bolta hoga na. To jab Bajal ye bolta hai, uske office koi nahi bolta, boss, hamare office de bistre nahi hai. It is such a basic fuck up. No, no, but Bajal nahi bolta hai. That is why I said Amit Shah is the public health expert in this country. No, 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 Bajal. Amit Shah bhi to koi bolega hoga na. Bajal thod na bolta hai. Amit Shah ne bola, and Bajal just followed it up. Immediately he... So no one would have said that it doesn't work as arithmetic. Forget my opinion. The math will not work. No one says that to him. Apparently no, not. Nobody it is psychophancy at this the This is the best. problem. This is the biggest tragedy. I mean, all these decisions, these orders are not even coming from the health ministry. They're coming from the home ministry, which makes absolutely zero sense. See, after Supreme Court, uh, you know, spoke about Delhi, we would have liked, you know, seeing a health minister going to, to the hospitals and all. Instead, we see uh, Amit Shah the Home Minister going to the end, then Amisha is giving one order. He's, he's not giving order. He says something which Lieutenant Governor is too eager to implement it. And and, and the second, uh, again, when uh, he said, okay, we are withdrawing this now because it wasn't feasible, of course. Now, they're making it compulsory for these people to come to the COVID center. Now, this is also not feasible. Hmm. So, I, I liked, you know, yesterday when Manish Sasodia, instead of, uh, you know, addressing it to LG, he's, he directly addressed it to the Home Minister Amit Shah. So, so, I mean, that's the problem. That's the tragedy. I think this is there. just them exercising power for the sake of hmm. it. I mean, they have hmm. to show that we are in control. So, you make these stupid announcements and I think I, I th has anybody seen Harshwardhan say anything since the beginning of uh -huh. this crisis well Not he had a couple in the early days he had uh, a couple but of he, press I conferences but lately now. hasn't he, he's only seen coming in and out of the meetings with Amit Shah I've just given up on any corona and he is actually a doctor I mean development I think which is Ram Barose <laughs> Ramdev Barose <laughs> Ramdev Barose <laughs> no I think Delhi situation is not that bad even the projection 5.5 lakh is easily, I think it is, they can handle it. What is really important, why they can handle it? Because 5.5 lakh, you know, 55% of them are already cured because it's a cumulative figure. So, so two and a half lakhs, so out of two and a half lakh, 80% are asymptomatic, 80 to 85%. So you hardly have at any given point of time because we are looking at the hospitals, the, the beds are empty. So, so, so you have the... Really? Yeah. I mean, there's are, news of... How 70, is then, then people are dying outside on where the roads? Huh? In where? Which city? In Delhi. 70% okay. of beds are empty. No, no. 70% of the beds are occupied at any given point of time. Hmm. Even when you will have 5.5 lakh, hmm. it's a cumulative figure. 2.5 lakh are uh, uh, three, around 3 lakh are already cured. Right. Okay. So how many are left? 2 lakh are left. Hmm. So out of 2 lakh, 80 to 85% are symptomatic. They are, they are back at home. Hmm. So at any given point of time, you will have 30,000, 50,000, uh, uh, sorry, 20,000, 30,000 patients. No, sir. No, no. As the numbers increase, the people don't recover at the same rate that they fall ill. So, no, but the rate is 50. Also, there 52%. aren't so many yes, beds. Sir, that Delhi is why is the, like the recovery rate actually is a number that actually means nothing. It has no significance because the recovery rate means that A, these are the people now well enough to go home. They're not even testing now. As long as you're feeling well, you go home. B, 
that is the from the full number sort of 5 lakhs if 50% have gone back home that's 2 and a half lakhs but 2 and a half lakhs are still unwell the reports that i have been reading till today hmm. if you see the express the metro section they are regularly giving reports on the bed situation so they say it is the same which was there uh, about 15 days ago so so, so they that, are not they are very comfortable so that's possible ha, that's that's ha. possible that so but that's it peaks saying. but that's no that's possible hmm. but the bed requirement is going to otherwise there was no need to make more beds na i mean you see all over the world no, you whether, should prepare no, not you should prepare because they will be used the thing is that 50% of 5000 is not the same thing as 50% of 10 lakhs no jab 10 lakh recovery rate 80% to touch nahi kar jayegi ek mahine mein koi abhi medicine nahi aayi hai main ye bol raha hu ki aap jab 10000 bistre banaoge ya new york made those tents those it was because as the thing spread the rate at which people are falling ill is not the rate at which they are recovering it is that simple and as the numbers balloon the bed requirement will go up it has gone up since we started if it hasn't gone up in the last 15 days as per this indian express report uh-huh. that's a different matter but the world over the data is you know clear as no, you know delhi matter. delhi i mean as on not, not just indian express as on today when we have been uh, you know seeing uh, you know the requirement at uh, the hospitals the bed the occupation of beds is almost the same it hasn't increased what i feel is no, has more impo- since when that's what i'm saying hasn't increased because because i the, know for a fact since the day since cause, the because the the hospital that i'm aware of like docs hospital it's full it wasn't full one month ago now hmm. it's full the covid hospital that they have they had taken up it was 50% hmm. occupancy now it's full no i'm talking of today like lnjp and others for the past one month the whatever the uh, bed occupation was there a month ago hmm. it's the same is uh, even today no but delhi government is saying by their own estimation by july they'll need around 80000 beds they are saying but, but currently but I, they only have 4000 around 5000 beds less than 5000 so but i i going by the mathematical uh, like he says that the numbers are increasing faster than you know the recovery of course that is okay uh, that is happening but even then i do not see, um, it's good to speculate that you need 80000 beds and all i mean you should prepare yourself but i do i i see i do not see i mean uh, we will ever be in trouble in terms of bed bedding that's what i'm trying to say what is more important is you know the confidence building which i feel that the people like today if i am in delhi and uh, i get covid i will be reluctant to go to lnjp hmm. because of the quality of uh, you know the quality that they have hmm. nobody wants to go there sure. so that is the problem which uh, i think is the main problem people, i i know at least a couple of guys who had covid kind of symptoms but they were still able to take it so they they decided not to get themselves tested and stay back at home ha stay back then then how is it if i mean they're all their beds are not full how is it that lnjp and others are turning away patients which are dying who are dying that's what i'm saying confidence building they are not they are not turning them away they are not turning them away because they don't have bed they have beds then why they turning them away there is another there other problems the beds are they don't want to treat a covid patient no there is some problem with these doctors maybe their callous attitude so this is where we need to work uh, on i mean there are many places where genuinely beds are also not available there i mean there are hospitals i mean I, maybe not lnjp there are other hospitals where they are running out of beds and once it peaks i mean right now we're not at that place also yeah they're saying we may peak later we're we going to i mean if you peak by november 1000 we have increased to 4000 and apparently they'll uh, they're able to increase but it takes about 6 uh, months i think i think 
پچیس ہزار یا تیس ہزار تک وہ بول رہے ہیں کر دیں گے پرابلی بائی آگسٹ بٹ لیٹ سی ایف دے کین ایکچلی ڈو اٹ آئی ہیو انادر میل دس فرام سائی کریت سائی سیز ہیو این سبسکرائبر سنس جنوری اینڈ آئی ایم ہوکڈ آن ہفتہ ڈسائڈ ٹو ایکسٹینڈ مائی سبسکرپشن فیوریٹس ہم منیشا اینڈ آنند ود مہراج ایگری آن موسٹ ٹاپکس اسپیشلی ریزننگ موسٹ ایشوز ان انڈیا کین بی ٹریس ٹو دا کاسٹ پرابلم لو دا کوریج آف موسٹ ٹاپکس اینڈ ہاؤ ونڈرفلی رانگ مینی ڈیفینس اینڈلس ہیو بین ان دا پاسٹ فیو ڈیز ہی وانٹس ٹو شیئر سم پوائنٹس ٹو آنر دا میموری آف کرنل بی سنتوش بابو آف سکسٹین بہار اینڈ ہز ادر پیپل ہو ڈائڈ ود ہم ہو فاٹ ہارڈ ہو فاٹ ہینڈ ٹو ہینڈ بلو ٹو بلو ٹو دا لاسٹ بریتھ ایٹ دا ہائٹ آف ففٹین تھاؤزینڈ فیٹ Karan Babu had an extremely difficult task to execute without any set of standard operations procedures as a given. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the decision to not carry weapons wasn't his, came from Div- Division or the Northern Army, uh, the command. Our generals have the, he says, in which case our generals have the blood of 20 officers and men on their hands only because they trusted the Chinese. Four, Chinese took initiative. How can we only twiddle our thumbs unless LSE SOPs are revised? Five, hope someone either from the army or from the government explains to Mrs. Babu what happened exactly. At least she and the 19 other families need to know the truth. Six, I'm sure 16 Bihar gave it back as good as it got and exceeded expectations at that altitude. Seven, you train an officer or a soldier for years on how to use a weapon effectively and then send them to a border police's job. Either train and equip ITBB to do this or let the army patrol with their weapons. I couldn't sleep well last night and I'm sure neither could many of us who know how quickly the situation can turn grim. Mm. So... Kirith, uh, well, much of what you say is is heartfelt and I true. A lot of people feel it. Just one thing that I don't think it was a general's call that they can't carry their weapons. Apparently, that has been the convention because of certain treaties that have been signed. So, yeah, I, I mean, whether they should be trusted or not, it's just so complicated because since we didn't occupy that post for a while and the Chinese got there, I guess they weren't expecting that kind of trouble. But yeah, yeah. hard to say. But yeah, you generally don't carry and India honored it in letter and spirit. But apparently, I mean, as General Panag and all have pointed out that if you're under threat, then you do use it. But there's always a thing like we had 20 casualties without weapons being used. If it did escalate to a point where weapons were used, it would have really escalated yeah, have to something completely That is, different. I mean, that's so pretty I guess much that's... A- start to war yeah that exactly that, that would have really yeah, maybe the damage to... would have been more there's no way of knowing that actually Sai there's really no way of yeah knowing. and what uh, I mean from what we hear Chinese have also not used firearms they've used other really horrible mm. uh, weapons nail studded and all that but no one did use firearms I mean it's true it's a overall failure all around I mean because even like Colonel Shukla said he had been writing about this since April mm. and they were saying nothing yeah. is happening nothing is happening until this thing happened Then there's one mail from Kinshuk. Uh, my last mail was full on rant and way too long. Therefore, as Abhinandan suggested, I'm going to keep it short and raise a few questions I'm hoping you guys can answer and provide some clarity. There is a lot of news around the whole incident at the border and how our soldiers are martyred during the clashes with the Chinese PLA. Though there are many issues being raised surrounding the incident, one thing that stood out was the report by the Hindu that some of our soldiers are being held captive by the Chinese troops and mm-hmm. they have been let off only after major general level talks were... Yeah. over but NDTV has clarified that army confirmed there were no soldiers missing in action hmm. so as you can imagine there is certainly some confusion regarding such reportage and also other questions that arise from this whole event at the border and are quite frightening such as whether it is really that easy to not only occupy a land beat up and kill our soldiers and then accuse of us, us of disturbing the status quo while our establishment and army simply just watch When your soldiers are being attacked, that too with intention to kill, you couldn't use firearms on the enemy soldiers just because there is a treaty and slash or an agreement that says otherwise. Can we really say that the civilian and military leadership did everything they could to protect the sovereignty of our country 
especially at a time when a governing party and its supporters tend to boast about the content contest boast and contest election on the subject of nationalism just on the missing in action bit actually the technically the army was right because they weren't missing in action they, they knew for. where they were hmm. so you have i to mean go by the literalness yeah. of so that's the operative bit in that the army knew where they were and they weren't really missing so. in simple terms people were captured yeah they were handed back by the time the government issued that statement they had already been returned so they said now there's nobody there so yeah. the case was that several people were captured by the yeah, chinese yeah. and they were returned and safely yeah but he's pointing at the confusion of missing in action or but missing I mean, in action they didn't want to acknowledge yeah. it so yeah, yeah. they didn't no like this technical yeah. stuff even, but missing I mean, in action the same thing we asked him ki yeah. what happened on the car yeah but i think yeah. the literalness of the communication when they say missing in action it it, it means you don't it know it suggests you don't know but if you know then you won't yeah. call them missing so in action so they were being i mean they were just they were doing this because they didn't want to yeah. i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keeping it under wraps it. while still being correct. But the fact that people were captured, that's true. And they were returned yeah, yeah, yeah. also that safely. They were returned safely. I mean, I do think irrespective of, you know, one's views of, of the government, I don't think it is smart to try to challenge China militarily. Not now, not for the foreseeable future. It is... It is too big and and you know um i someone wrote this in the mail or i i, I don't know someone commented right now on this podcast of the economic might at how much will us mess with china so i had i think maybe i had mentioned that podcast on on hafta as well a long time ago about the amount of treasury bonds that china holds so china holds about over a trillion at least at that time that podcast was made of treasury bonds uh, us treasury bonds so they do have leverage over the us and i asked vivek to explain it to me like you know what does that mean what can they do so here's what i was explaining what i understand of it in trying to damage us economically china will also damage itself see right now the most stable asset in the world is the us dollar and by extension the us treasury bond so even you know it was giving negative returns a few months ago yeah, right when we yeah but because people still trust it more than any other asset in the world so when and when these guys were printing bonds and you know us was taking on more and more debt china bought shitloads of it over a trillion dollars worth so if china starts flooding the market with those treasury bonds the us treasury bond rate could go south that could make it less you know valuable the the interest on it but what the us can do is it can print dollars and buy it back because they print dollars right yeah, they the can anytime yeah that's what they've been doing during this right. crisis so that may also. lead to an inflation there but what i was explained by this economist was that they'll both bash each other and both will lose but china can afford to lose more because he doesn't have to win an election the us will can absorb that by printing more dollars theke hum wapas khareed lete hain aur aap wapas khareedoge wo dollar wapas china ke paas jayenge china usi se odd bonds khareed lega so it can really mess with your economy but because xi doesn't have to win an election he can pull more economic pain to his citizenry which a us president can't so that was the whole thing why they can be saber rattling but us will not mess with china beyond a certain point also generally i mean not just china in india especially especially now when like there's so much suffering they shouldn't even be thinking of challenging anybody militarily yeah why on earth yaar militarily why are you sending people to their death i think which is very uh, um, scary or it, it doesn't bode well when the government says military has been given a free hand free hand to the army is not going to fix this this is something that civilian government with diplomacy exactly. has to fix yes to i mean free hand to do what to cause that more deaths to, to cause more injuries that is to address the domestic population yeah but i mean Simple. 
that's that's just to tell we have to have a real assessment of who we are you know i mean you should be moving towards a situation where you have friend relations with at least all your neighbors yeah. where you don't have to go toe to toe militarily now look at nepal modi ji did try how many times did he meet 16 times who z he went to china i mean he met six times not 16 i, I mean, mean just going here and there for, <laughs> for sightseeing doesn't fun. count no i mean you yeah, have to work yeah. at it this uh, last email is from kuntal My name is Kuntal. Been a regular subscriber since 2020 because I'm spending more time consuming news this year. I'll keep my letter short and on point. I need NL's platform to help amplify a series of tragic incidents happening in my hometown, Vadodara. If you feel the name rings a bell, it was one of the constituencies Mr. Modi fought in 2014. So Kuntal has gone on to tell us about a boy in Vadodara who is a local don, and his son is also criminally inclined, and you know. the kind of stuff that they have been doing and in fact you have also given a link to a times of india article about the notorious criminal takes out a rally to celebrate his bail in murder case booked by cops so he took out a rally and then there is a former cricketer and coach who was suspended because multiple women accused him of sexual misconduct can you amplify this so there is at least a fair trial so kuntal uh, there's a reason i haven't re- read out the names of the people because as any responsible news media organization first of all thank you for your support and your subscription but if i were to accuse someone of something we should have had our own reporter check that and vet that so i hear you i feel your you know frustration and anger and pain that such people just conduct their lives in the most brazen way and take on any fair play and any fair system but i can't read their names on this podcast it would not be journalistically ethical of me but i thank you for taking the time to write and if possible we will try to do a ground report although we don't have anyone in amdabad but uh, thanks for your support here by the way modi and z met 18 times i just checked <laughs> oh wow so he went to china six several times. packs yeah no i mean he must have gone to china a few times and uh, Mo- uh, he also came here na he took him to amdabad and oh, they oh acha and also no they, they also must have did some jhula jhuloing together they must have met that. at other international places yeah. also mm-hmm. no with the, okay got it right Okay now before we wind up the hafta let's come up with this week's recommendations Miraj I have a recommendation this is a piece that uh, Caravan recently published it's headline dead and buried it's about the Delhi carnage what happened there and it basically talks about how all the complaints that were lodged against Kapil Mishra and the rest of the uh, writers leaders of the rights they were completely ignored lots of testimony from people who were affected by the rights how the police has basically ignored everything that is said against bjp leaders and their supporters mm. and went after muslims so what this essentially means is that like I, i remember around that time we were discussing whether it was a riot it was a carnage it was a pogrom right right, right. so now i mean this established that it's a pogrom right. it was a pogrom because if the state is completely complicit right yeah complicit so it was that so this is a very chilling report to read but please do read it this gives you an idea of how, what is happening in this country manisha we are marking the 45th year of emergency today so i'm going to recommend a piece by komi kapoor a ruler alone is not accountable everyone who succumbs to authority is no less guilty uh, also i'm going to link to all the pieces that i read on what happened on the galwan clash by shivarur manupabi barkhadat and uh, snehesh i think uh, there are i mean they're differing in a lot of things but there are some commonalities so in case you guys are curious about what happened i think these articles give you a fairly okay understanding of what may have happened that fateful night this is actually one of the few things i mean i haven't watched that much of tv the, over the last week but what i have read in the print media 
since especially the clash when the people died after that lots of defense journalists i mean there's like agreement on these basic things mm. there's very sensitive coverage and very accurate and factual mm. coverage before that it was lot of mud slinging or oh, this guy is wrong i have this map this this is this map since then it has kind it of it seems become, to be uh, uh, some uh, so. there are a couple of uh, data stories in india today and economics times which are hinting that there is there are more cor- uh, coronavirus deaths than uh, you know Then being recorded, sure. So, so it's a, it's basically there's a rule that, uh, you know, they take four. You can take fourteen days to report a death. Report a death. Yeah, the death. So, so whether it's corona or not. Hmm. So that is delaying hmm. everything. So they are not taking that into things. So it's a very good data story. The two stories. Uh, so I'll recommend those two stories. So I actually, it's not a story that I want to recommend. I want to recommend an interview that I saw of Hard Talk, and I mean, it throws up some very um, important and nuanced discussions that of Maria Ressa. So that's my recommendation. I want to follow this up with a. little you know chat about what she said this um, i think it was yesterday basically she was interviewed in hot talk by that joe sucker guy what how do you pronounce his name scarbo no joe bbc ka hot talk kon karta hai stephen sacker sorry his name is stephen sacker not joe sucker like he asked her that while you say whatever you say about duerte or whatever his name is he is very popular a she said that when you say that he has the majority of the mandate and everybody loves him you have to see he was one of five candidates and he got 16% of the votes so just first past the post so a when the western media shows him as the strong man who is loved by the whole country it is even statistically not correct and she says and and when you guys run a thing a, a poll of that are people satisfied with this crackdown on the drugs because people with the poor people on the on the streets are the ones who were most impacted by it so they are happy with him she says can you measure fear You say we know who you are. We know what your number is. Are you happy with him? What do you expect a poor person to do? And she said, with this crackdown on drugs, how many rich people went to jail? She says because such regimes are always the the rich want it. It is not like they are the ones suffering. Because I mean, his job in hard talk is to question her on that. It is just privileged people like you who say he is bad. The poor are. She says no. It's the other way around. So I think it is a very important watch for a lot of reasons and very important on how she says. you know social media is compromising this uh, democracy in a way that you know you say that people are making a free choice it is not a free choice it is behavioral manipulation happening mm. through ways which as you know you are assuming free flow of knowledge that is a very important aspect of democracy that is not happening so i think it's a very very good watch and i mean i just think she's wonderful and while you're at it watch her interview with our uh, at media rumble with um, hartosh as well mm. i mean this is the Lot pretty much the same thing also. you see in this country also mm-hmm. people who suffered during the lockdown who suffered from coronavirus crisis who has been suffering since 2014 or even before that i mean the rich uh, and uh, mukesh ambani is now the one of the 10 richest people in the world and there was a i read a report yesterday 1.2 crore children will fall into poverty in south asia mm. because of the pandemic mm. so yeah it's it's tricky one um another couple of announcements before we say goodbye uh one is that do give us a high rating uh, wherever you listen to this podcast because if you give us a high star rating or a favorable review it makes it more likely for other people to find us and when other people find us the amount of subscribers is likely to increase and that helps helps us in a big way do support us in our projects check out our subscription page and spread the word yeah thank you have a good weekend and a good week until our next hafta bye bye thank you panel bye bye
News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.